Welcome to the Amherst Podcast. Join us as we go beyond underwriting to discover more about our people, culture, and history. Welcome back, everybody, to the Amherst Podcast. This is episode 12, Innovation Part 2, discussing L&D and innovation. Today, we are sitting here with Stacey Overcast and Travis Van Hoy. My name is Chris Medina, and co-hosting with me is Connor Fleury. So how are you guys doing today? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're stoked that you guys could come on and discuss this topic with us. Yeah, it's wild. It feels like just a, a few days ago, like we were talking about this idea, yep. you know, it's just a concept and now it's gone full circle. We're here in the seat in the in the recording studio. Yep. So I've been uh, loving the episodes that y'all put out. It's great content and hopefully we can keep that momentum going. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun listening to the ones that we've put out so far. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Stacy Overcast, as you introduced. I've worked here at Amherst a little over 17 years. Wow. Started as a UA. I came actually from FM Global, which was across the parking lot in Chasewood 3. So I've been parking in the same garage, just on the other side for, gosh, 20 years. Wow. <laughs> no, that's insane. So from UA, worked into underwriting and then into team manager to where I am now, learning cool. development. Nice. So, yes, I came over, I guess, probably seven years ago now. Gosh, time's flown by. (laughs) But originally come from an accounting background, so I was just like a a number cruncher and did that for a couple years and then moved over as a business analyst and did that another couple years and then had the opportunity to come over to the L&D team when we started it up in 2020. Wow. And you guys been enjoying it since, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Kind of got to put on a creative hat. Yeah. And it was interesting being part of the start of a brand new department, too. Mm-hmm. It was like a blank canvas. So we really had like a lot of leeway to kind of, you know, just start our vision from scratch and and have like a lot of autonomy of making that come to life. Definitely. Yeah. You guys have put in a lot of content over the past. How long have y'all been open now for L&D? About a year and a half now? Two and a half. Two and a, Two half. And a half years. So okay. the very beginning. Well, sort of a rolling start in 2020 transitioning from the production side i think mm-hmm. april is when we really kicked off the the team so okay. right about a little over two years yeah, oh. it's pretty much a half year to maybe even a little bit over that where you're doing our old responsibilities right. and trying to work a little bit on this but yeah. yeah i think a lot of that a lot of y'all would agree with me that covid kind of came and went we don't really know what happened in those two years yeah i have That's no concept of time anymore <laughs> it felt like it was a year and a half but it was perfect time on starting the department too you know, mm. as a, a lot of our workforce was were going virtual to like have Amherst University and have that online like training solution. Yeah, what was perfect timing? So in hindsight, coming from the underwriting and the business analytics, jumping into the L and D, you talked about having to put on a creative hat. How was that in terms of an adjustment? Was it just completely different? Like, did you guys have to switch up your mindsets with how you operated in terms of like work? For me, it certainly was coming from underwriting and just the systems and applications that we used were very new to all of us. Yeah. So trying to wrap our head around how those work and how we can put this content out virtually was interesting learning curve. We actually reached out. We still meet with our sister Truist Insurance Holdings L&D departments. We try to meet with them once a month and they've been a little bit more established. So we get a lot of collaboration with them. Now, was this like an initiative? Because of their department, kind of like branching out to us, you guys wanted to start because of them? You mean the, the actual team yeah, development? Yeah, here at Amherst. Well, I'm, Laura 
kind of, I think, came up with the team. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure how it how it came to fruition, but nice. once we realized that the other L&D teams were out there with Crump and CRC, yeah. we just reached out to them and said, hey, we're a new team and you know, we'd love to pick your brain and, and get your ideas. And it's been great. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll dive into the questions now. Stacy, what is L&D and what are some of the roles and responsibilities that your department is responsible for? So L&D is the learning and development team. What we aim to do is provide support and resources for our training teams or mm-hmm. people, I suppose. We're a four-person team. We're not a training team, unfortunately. We, we don't know everything about everything. <laughs> we're, we're not the best trainers to, to do that. But we're, we're really aiming to try to at least support those that are out there training and give them resources for a consistent method across the company. Our biggest focus going in initially was for UA training materials. We kind of took a step back when we did the onboarding course and said, hey, you know, we know we need this UA training support, but we need support for anyone coming in because Amrisk is, it's a beast. And walking in, especially with no background of insurance and and especially ENS insurance, it can be kind of scary coming in. So we we took a a good amount of time to develop that onboarding course. We thought that was a higher priority. I think it's really beneficial because, like you said, coming from no insurance background, especially excess and surplus, like it's good to have these these tools to utilize for new people onboarding because it really not it not only does it push them into want to learn the product more, but it, it gives them a sense of like, okay, this is where we're at with it. This is what we're doing. Now you you have a better sense of it all. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, being you know owned by Truist and seeing how we fit in, and yeah. you know all the subsidiaries, and just seeing who we are at Amrisk and how we just within Amrisk branch out with our brands and stuff like that. So it, it can be a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to Definitely. ease that a little bit with the onboarding, especially being virtual where you're not seeing people every day yeah. and being able to talk through it as easily. I know we learned a lot putting it together too. <laughs> I think we've been at the company for several years and you're like, wow, and I never like discovered this before. Yeah. So it was Interesting from that perspective on putting it together. And it's ever-changing. It's a lot of maintenance. Uh, that course has been probably our biggest maintenance upkeep. Really? Just uh-huh. because, you know, our brands change and it, you uh, know, yeah. our leadership changes and things like that. So it's it's probably our heaviest maintenance ongoing project. And I think we're learning to create flexible content. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's easy to update with all the changes that we've had recently. Yeah. Okay. Well, this next question is for both of y'all. So the L&D department launched in 2020. Now, why did you want to be a part of this new group? So I can kick this one off. And uh, Stacey, this might be a little uh, repeat from our interview back in 2020. But <laughs> there, were, there were three things that like excited me about the role. So one, I've always been interested with process improvement. And I feel like this desire originally started for me back when I was on the corporate accounting team when I was starting my career yeah. with Truist. And this role, it was an interesting way to start my career, and it was a role that was either feast or famine. So the first two weeks of every month was like a hurricane was rolling through. Mm-hmm. It was pure, pure mm-hmm. chaos. So our team was like struggling to get the books closed, and a lot of times we'd be working past like midnight Damn. for like two weeks straight. So just a very intense portion, way to start off your month. <laughs> you definitely had to prep in advance for that. But then after that portion... The remaining two weeks, like it was the famine portion. So we were just kind of sitting on our hands, kind of wondering what to do. And then part of that, like we were encouraged to try to do whatever you can to alleviate the pain of the busy 
portion right. of, of our schedule. So being able to start off my career like this, I really got to dive in and develop some of my personal skills. So I got to be an advanced user of Excel. You know, you could spend all day on a certain project trying to figure out how you can make one thing better. I taught myself visual basics at that point, too. So it was a real great way for me to grow personally, I guess, to develop. And with that, just knowing the the pain that you have during those busy points, it kind of gave that passion to me, like throughout my career of mm-hmm. always trying to like reassess different processes and how can we make those more efficient and better to reduce some of those those pain points that, that we have. So with L&D, it's been an interesting opportunity because we're not only understanding the way different teams do it, but we're also able to provide a little bit of direction, mm. you know, for those teams, and especially on a corporate level, like what's the best and most efficient way that we can conduct these training. So as we're putting these trainings together, we're creating like, you know, workflow maps and understanding the different steps. And we're being able to advise the new training process mm-hmm. on like what's the best way to go moving forward. So that was number one, process improvement. The second thing for me is I feel like I've already always had a heart for like the training side. Definitely. I think back to when I was a business analyst and I got to work with the claims group and work on developing certain members like their Excel skills and also just go in there and evaluate like their processes. So that was something that I really loved about the position. Except there was this uh, one guy named Christian Medina who <laughs> <laughs> would always give me trouble. But uh, uh, other than that, yeah, that was just a great, like, rewarding experience. And it's awesome to be able to pull that back into the the job that we have now. Christian, can you do pivot tables now? Dude, thanks to Travis, Travis I can do pivot tables. I can do VLOOKUP. I can do anything you want on Excel. He taught me a lot. <laughs> And then the final one is a selfish reason for me in my own career development. It was important for me to know more about the underwriting engine that we have here at Amaris. So it's been a great way for me to dive under the hood and understand more about like the, the process that we do as a company. So that's the three things. Process improvement, training, and getting to know more about the underwriting product. Nice. I think those are prime steps into teaching and getting people to understand a product. Stacy, why'd you want to be a part of this new group? Well, from the beginning, I've started at Amrisk. I've, I was the one who started documenting our procedures. Oh. Um, you know, I came in and it was a very small office at the time, a handful of people here. And I came a little bit from an insurance at, at FM, but I had no clue of what we were doing. And at the time we were exclusive to CRC. So at least it was a gentle start for me mm. compared to some others starting coming on now where we're opened up to everybody. And so honestly, I, I think I had a migraine like every day for the first <laughs> month I worked here because it was just so much and the systems are, are proprietary and you, there's no way to know them unless you work here. And I think I, I drove my couple trainers probably crazy because I would just constantly go there and as they're training me, like, stop while I write it down. Okay, wait, go back, yeah. you know. So I needed that for me because because of all the steps and, and the intricacies of our systems speaking to each other. I thought it was important to do that. And it's just always been a passion of mine. And, and throughout my career as a UA and even into the underwriting, you know, I've always been trying to find the most efficient way because there's, there's a lot of different ways we could do things, but what is the most efficient? Mm. And as we grew and we expanded our products, it just became more and more complex. And, and P 
people train people differently. So just that passion for wanting a consistent structure to make our people feel at ease and give some comfort that they can understand what they're doing. Yeah. It saves a lot from there being confusion amongst everybody, especially if we're on the same page. So I think the initiative that you guys are pouring out through this is really helping the company. I remember when I first started working here on the APRP calculation, I remember seeing like notes and stuff saying Stacy Overcast. I was like, who the heck is that? My own personal copy of that is quite the animal, oh, <laughs> but it's not, it's it. not company approved. So it's oh. just, <laughs> I don't get to send it out. <laughs> yeah, no, Stacy was the, she's the reason I'm here. Yeah. She was my first manager and she gave all the other UAs the correct tools to train me and Thank God I'm still here. <laughs> That's right, man. Well, Stacy, what new L&D initiatives are being worked up currently? And are there any new developments for the Rely page coming up? So the crash course has been a big initiative for this year. It is six seminars and, and it, they take a good amount of time. We've had formal AOR, BOR procedures, very well documented, step-by-step sitting there 95% done, but we knew the SAS was coming out. <laughs> so we didn't, we wanted to make sure that we had all the ducks in a row for that before we implemented those procedures. So right now we're really trying to work on the SAS and make sure that we're constantly updating the manual for that as mm-hmm. enhancements get done or just things come to our attention of, well, this, what about in this scenario? And so working with IT a lot, as far as that goes, once we're at a good starting point there, We'll go ahead and get those AORBOR procedures nice. pushed through. Another thing that's coming up real soon in the pipeline, also about 95% way there, is we're coming up with training guides for any trainer to pick up for the UA workflow process. And it basically gives consistent methods, timings, items to train on. It's basically just a guide. If you're going to train someone, you pick it up and you go through for each of the workflows. So there'll be one for modeling, one for booking, because not everybody's a trainer, not everybody has trained and and you could be called upon to train at any time. So having that as a resource, and we're going to start meeting with each of the teams and products, kind of top subject matter experts to go through those and make sure we've drafted them. But again, we aren't the experts and kind of get those out just to have as a resource for everybody. Yeah. As far as Rely, we're constantly updating it. You know, there's a lot of resources in our library. And once you may have gone on there and you may have pulled a document and downloaded it and you're referring to that, I would say don't do that. We are constantly making changes to those as we add courses, as we do enhancements. So I would say always go to Rely, check out our resource documents for the latest and greatest. We're, we're constantly updating that. I am excited for that, honestly, because... I've trained maybe like five, six people on one team, and it's not as easy as you would think. You may have it in your head of how you want to train, but not everybody understands the same way. Yeah, And so, you can forget things. And you can forget things. Yeah. And I think it's having that set out one way on a timeline. Okay, you should be here at this point in time if you're going step by step how you guys provide it. I think that's going to be so beneficial. And will it be available to just like what, like uh, UA supervisors, like like anybody? Do you... Anybody. Oh, right so on. like I said, anybody can be a trainer, right? We don't, every team works differently as, as far as who they have trained their people. And and I want to, you know, put a plug out to Brooke. A lot of how our teams developed is, is almost on purpose, right? So I was an underwriter. Mm. I still have a lot of my UA knowledge there, but Brooke is a little more fresh in the UA department and, and Travis on his business side. So we all bring a little something to the table. So, nice. you know, Brooke and I work together on these guides and we've gotten as far as we, we think we can. And then, again, there are some things that we aren't fully aware of policy issuance. Neither of us have ever really done that, but we have an idea admitted side. I kind of dove into that a little bit when we first 
develop that product, but it's been far removed. Mm. So I, I think there'll be really good tools, and I think everybody will appreciate them. We can lead a horse to water, but That's right. we can't, can't make, make a drink. drink so. the water. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, this next question is for both of you guys. You both have pretty interesting career journeys. So what advice would you have for someone that wants to be in your shoes one day? I just think I'm a broken record, but ask questions. <laughs> oh, know, yeah. Learn as much about everything we have to offer here, all of our products, all of the way that the systems work. I mean, just try to learn as much as you can about the why. I still ask questions and I'm not afraid to, even if it's something like what Travis said, when we were doing the onboarding course, I worked here for a long time. I was still asking Brian and Laura, Hey, wait, what? <laughs> you, know, I, I, you, you just, it never hurts to ask questions. That's right. And I think I have a pretty interesting career journey from someone that was just a number cruncher than now being HR. Yeah. But I guess one thing, if I had to just narrow it down to that, it would be think like your manager. So I have kind of a story, a little backstory for this. As I was starting off my career, I had a manager named Maureen. And she was an interesting person to work for because she would ask you a question. And then, you know, me being new in my job, you know, I'm trying to get her the answer as quick as possible. You know, I want to be fast and efficient. Mm -hmm. So I'd come into her office. She would ask me a question. And then once I had the solution for that, I would bring it to her. And then the first thing that she would do, she wouldn't say, you know, thanks so much for getting that for me. I would just see her make a little face. And then I could see her wheels turn. <laughs> and then she would fire off like three or four questions after that. So that was an interesting process to go through and just kind of study her. Uh -huh. and then. It got me in the mindset of when I'm bringing a deliverable, like it's one thing to actually do like the assignment that you're assigned to do, but also start to think about how your manager would think about when they receive that mm. and what are their next questions going to be. And if you can go ahead and start thinking through that and thinking like they do, that just shows like that you're ready to progress and move on to the next step. So I know when I came over here for the accounting side, like we were putting together a big deck of like financial reports for executives to look at. And then an important part of that process is not just sending a big deck and you don't know which parts that they're looking at, but asking questions, going through the, the packet with them and like determining what they're spending the most time on. So that would be like my biggest career advice is that we all are called to do certain block and tackles. Like we have our daily functions that we have to do, but start thinking about the end user that's going to get that mm. and what questions that they're going to come up with. And if you can be the person that answer the questions before they're asked, then you're going to really stand apart. Okay. Yeah. And I agree, you know, taking initiative, not just doing what you're, you're supposed to do, but take it a step further and mm. don't wait for somebody to ask you to do something. If you have an idea, just do it and then present it. Say, here, I've done this and maybe it's not the greatest. Maybe it needs improvement or maybe, you know, it, it, just take the initiative and don't wait on others. Yeah. I love it. That's all really good advice. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Amherst podcast. And this was with Stacy Overcast and Travis Van Hoy. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Amherst Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Submit any questions you guys may have to podcast at amherst.com, any suggestions. And be sure to get y'all some of that Amherst Podcast merch. Thanks again. <laughs>